before we move on to the Apostles' Creed, I'd like to share a few thoughts uh, with you about the uh, gospel lesson today from the 24th chapter of Luke. So this gospel lesson starts off by saying, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Um, so to put this into context, what very day are, uh, is Luke talking about? And two of who were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So the very day that Luke is referring to is the very day that Jesus rose from the dead, the very first Easter day. Um, so let's put this into context a little bit. Um, remember that uh, Mary, uh, not Jesus' mother, but Mary and other women went to the tomb early on uh, Easter morning, the first Easter morning, uh, to finish the anointing of Jesus' body, that, that burial that had been so rushed just a few days before on, on Good Friday when Jesus was taken down from the cross as the sun was beginning to set just before the Sabbath. And so it was rushed because it was the Sabbath and it would... Uh, be, uh, uh, it would profane the Sabbath for his body to be left on the cross and, and the burial needed to be take, take place before sundown. And so these women go to the tomb on Sunday morning to finish the uh, gruesome job of, of anointing. You know, think about how beaten and bloody Jesus' body had been uh, as it hung on the cross and then uh, there wasn't time to properly clean his body and properly anoint and put all the different spices, etc. It was a rush job. And so he's been in this tomb uh, for three days now, and the women go to finish that job. But when they arrive, they find that the tomb had been opened, the stone had been rolled away, even though it had been sealed on Friday at the request of Caiaphas, the high priest, as he went to Pilate, the governor, and asked for it to be sealed and asked for guards actually to be placed uh, at the tomb so that the body couldn't be stolen and stories circulate that, oh, Jesus is risen. But yet, the stone was rolled away and Mary didn't know where Jesus' body was. And out in the garden, uh, she met somebody who she assumed to be the gardener. Uh, and she was sad and, and he asked her, you know, why, why, why all the tears? And it wasn't until the gardener, who in fact was the risen Christ, um, called her by name and said, Mary, that personal connection, that relationship, that she recognized him and she ran to him. Um, and then fast forward a little bit. So she goes back and she tells the apostles who are all huddled in that upper room where, where Jesus had shared uh, the Last Supper and gave us the gift of the Eucharist and washed their feet. They're huddled up in that same room for fear of the Jews, the scriptures say. Are they going to be next? Are they going to be arrested and taken away and crucified? And so they're hiding in the upper room, and, and here Mary comes back and says, the Lord is risen. Uh, and she, she tells all that she had seen and all that she had heard. And so John and, and Peter, they run to the tomb. And remember, John gets there first, probably because he was either more fit or younger. Uh, we don't really know. Um, but he gets there first. He, he peeks in, he sees, and then he waits. And then Peter arrives, Peter, the, the, the sort of arrogant um, you know, big, uh, rough and tough Peter, who becomes the, the leader of, of this band of, of followers of Jesus. Um, he steps in and he sees the, the grave clothes that are lying in the empty tomb. And he doesn't quite get it and he walks away scratching his head. And then just a few moments later, John enters the tomb. He sees him and 
he, he recognizes what happened and he believes. And so they all go back to that upper room and they uh, share that story. And so uh, these uh, people that are referred to in the scripture, um, that were these two people, and, and in fact, we're not 100% sure that they're both men, they probably were, um, but these two, the two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, were probably in that upper room as part of the group of disciples. In fact, uh, we could speculate that they may have been part of the 70 that were sent out earlier before the crucifixion, when Jesus sent out the 70, two by two, and, and told them to go and to spread the gospel, because here we have two of them going together to the village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're going away from Jerusalem and they're going towards Emmaus on that very day, the very day of the resurrection. And they're talking about what had happened, all the events that had happened. Now, it's, it, it seems very likely here, it appears that they, they, they heard the stories of the resurrection, but they didn't really believe. Because if they believed, they wouldn't be going away from Jerusalem. They would have stayed in Jerusalem. Or if they were not part of that group that heard what the Mary and the women had encountered and what Peter and John had said, um, if they weren't part of that group that day, um, then they would have been going towards Jerusalem if they really believed. They wouldn't be going away from Jerusalem. So that very day, the two of them are going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So... A seven mile walk, I don't know, how long does that take? Two or three hours? Depends on how fast you walk. Mm -hmm. Some of us, that be said, it would take you two days. Um, some would take longer, some would take less. But it would definitely be a, a period of time where they had to contemplate everything that happened. And I don't just mean the story that the women shared with them when they came back from the empty tomb. But I mean, think about it. Remember that this is Easter morning, the first Easter. So only seven days before that, with the events of Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode into the city as a king on a donkey and they waved the palm branches and there was thousands upon thousands of people there and they're all cheering and they're all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the, to the son of David. And then just a few days later, the events in that upper room, like I said, the giving of the Eucharist at the Last Supper, the washing of the apostles' feet, and later that same night, Jesus arrested and beaten and hauled away and, and flogged and, and just the brutality of the crucifixion and his passion beginning. And then uh, to the, the hill of Calvary, carrying the cross on Good Friday and being nailed to the cross and dying for our sins on the cross, being taken back down and buried in that tomb. And, and then the church, not knowing, the handful of people that were believers, not knowing what to believe. And then on the third day, all this happened with the women at the tomb and Peter and John. So they're discussing all these things during that, uh, I would say, long seven-mile uh, walk to um, Emmaus. I'm guessing they sort of were in a cloud. Um, not, not a whole lot different than some of us might be feeling right now as we deal with this coronavirus, the COVID-19 and the shutdown. And, and the uncertainty of the future, the economic uncertainty. Uh, so many people are asking themselves, when can I go back to work? Do I even have a job to go back to? How am I gonna pay my bills? Is my car gonna be repossessed? How am I gonna put food on the table over and over and over? 
And, you know, Pepe and I went to Costco a few days ago. We had to go out and get some paper towels and some other things. And we're waiting on this long line and, and everybody's quiet. Nobody's talking to each other. They're all wearing masks and we're all six feet apart. And we're moving like little robots or little drones through the process of even just getting into the store. It's such a surreal experience. And, and I imagine that obviously the details are different, but I imagine that it was a very surreal experience for these two disciples, these two followers of Jesus to think about everything that happened all within the span of seven days, the high of the Palm, of Palm Sunday to the low of, of the crucifixion on the cross. And then who, what do you believe from these people who came back and said Jesus was risen? And so they talked to each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself, now the risen Jesus they're talking about here, Jesus himself draws near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So why were their eyes kept? Were their eyes kept because they didn't really believe yet in their heart? Um, or uh, or in, in a larger sense, were, were their eyes kept because they had to have their minds and their hearts opened by Jesus. Uh, we don't really know, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Just like Mary that morning out in the garden didn't recognize him at first, they didn't recognize him. Remember, resurrection looks a little different. When Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration, and it, the scripture says his appearance completely changed. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were bright, white, brighter than any uh, fuller or wanderer could make them. They got a glimpse of, of what his glory would, would look like at resurrection. And so he was the same, but he was transformed. He was different. He still bore the wounds on his hands and his side and his feet, but he looked different. Um, and so they didn't recognize him. And so he says to them, well, what, what is this conversation that you're having as you walk? And they stopped dead in their tracks. They stood still and, and they looked sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered him. And by the way, we don't know who Cleopas is. Um, he's not talked about, he's not, we believe he's a he. He's not talked about a whole lot. Um, we believe it's the male form of Cleopatra, uh, the word Cleopas, the name. Um, tradition from the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church tell us that Cleopas was um, Jesus's uncle through the marriage of, of his mother Mary to Joseph, and that Cleopas was Joseph's brother. But we don't know that. That's just tradition, not found in the scriptures. And so Cleopas answers Jesus. He says, are you the only person, the only visitor to Jerusalem that doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? Like, where have you been? Under a rock somewhere this last week? And so he says to them, well, what things? Of course Jesus knew what things he was referring to, but but this is, this is how Jesus... Um, teaches oftentimes is to get you to talk, communicate, get you to get your wheels turned, not just sit there and listen to an answer. Um, all good teachers teach in the same way. And so he says, what things? And so they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up and condemned him to death and then crucified him. You think, I wonder if Jesus sort of had a little smile going on. He endured all that pain. That pain was real for him. But he knows what took place. He was the one crucified. And yet they're saying all about Jesus, this person who was crucified. Anyway, 
They continue, they said, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They didn't say we know. They didn't say we believe. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So even if they believed in their head, even if they believed the women who came back from the empty tomb, even if they believed Peter and John, even if they weren't there, but they heard through, they obviously heard all of this, even if they believed in their heads, they hadn't believed in their hearts. They really didn't believe because they said, we hoped that he was the one. What does that imply? It means, well, our hopes have been dashed because he obviously wasn't the one. That's a faith in your head, in your mind, and not a faith in your heart. It's a faith that has no depth. It's a faith that is so easy to shake by all the things of the world. So many people today find their faith shaken by what's going on around us instead of the peace of Christ just permeating what's happening. Yes, it's inconvenient. Yes, we may know people uh, who uh, have this terrible disease or have even died. Yes, we've been well affected by this, but you have faith. You know that you're not alone. Just like these two people who were on the road to Emmaus were not alone, no matter what road you're on in life right now, you're not alone. If you believe in Christ, he's with you because we receive the Holy Spirit as believers through our baptism. And so no matter where we go, no matter what road we find ourselves on, whether it's the road to Emmaus or wherever else, Jesus is with us, just as he was with these two people that day. And so they said, well, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And they continue, they say, yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. So we have confirmation here that this, in fact, was on that Easter morning, that same day. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they didn't find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Again, so they heard that story. We believe they were in that upper room and, and heard firsthand from the women who had gone to the tomb. And he said to them, uh, I'm sorry, some of those who were with us went to the tomb, referring to Peter and John, and found it as the women had said but him they did not see. And so Jesus says to them, O foolish ones and slow to heart, slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He had been prophesied about throughout the Old Testament from the very beginning, even in the book of Genesis, we have prophecy about Jesus. He's referred to all throughout that time period, all throughout history. We have these prophecies concerning Jesus. Remember the word history, it's not our history, it's God's history, it's his story. That's where we get the word history from. It's God's story, it's God's revelation of himself to his creation, to us, starting in the book of Genesis, culminating with his return at the end of time in the book of Revelation. And so Jesus is saying, why don't you understand? Why don't you believe? You have the scriptures, you have the written word, and you should know. O oh, foolish ones, slow to heart, slow to believe that all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer for these things and enter into glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
was necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory so that we could do the same. We could enter into his glory. Believers are given the promise that if you believe in Christ, all you have to do is accept him for who he is, believe in him for who he is and for what he did for you. That's entrance into eternal life with the Lord. That's entrance into heaven. That's resurrection with Christ at the end of time for all believers, just like Jesus rose on Easter morning. And so beginning again with all the prophets and Moses, he interprets those scriptures. Now, they drew near to the village that they were going to, which was Emmaus, and Jesus acted as if he was going to continue on and go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. And so he stayed with them. So if you were in their shoes and you had gone through all these events and you're talking about it with your friend on this maybe two or three hour walk, and then this person comes up and he opens up the scriptures for you. He opens up your heart to them to understand all of this. Um, number one, you probably want to continue that conversation with them. But also, there were uh, rules of hospitality. Hospitality dictated he was to be invited to stay for supper. It's getting towards the end of the day now. Invite him to come in, wash his feet, rest, and, and have hospitality to eat together. And so Jesus decides to stay. And he, when, they was at, when he was at table with them, celebrating a supper, he took bread, and he blessed and broke the bread and gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. So it was through the act of breaking the bread. Maybe, maybe when he did that, they, they finally saw the, the nail marks in his hands. Maybe they were present during the feeding of the 5,000 when he did the same thing, and, and he, he fed so many with such so few loaves of bread. Maybe they were present in that upper room at the last supper. And the scriptures tell us the apostles were there, but perhaps there were also some disciples present as well. But regardless, they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And their eyes were opened. And he vanished from their sight. So isn't that amazing? He left as soon as they recognized him. Because they didn't need to see him anymore. They knew he was risen. They knew in their hearts the scriptures had penetrated to the depths of their souls as he explained it to them. He ate with them. He had fellowship with them. He shared in the breaking of bread with them. And they believed. So I guess the question there is, is, is how many times have you walked with Christ but yet not recognized him? How many times have you walked with Christ and ignored him? I know I have many times. I know all of us have many times. But no matter where we go, he's present with us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. When you are baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit. He's always with us. So their eyes were open. He vanished from their sights. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us on the road? When he opened us to us the scriptures, does your heart burn with a love for Christ and for a desire to know more and more about him and to deepen your faith? During this lockdown where even if you are working, there's not a whole lot of other things to do to go anywhere. This is a perfect time to spend more time studying the scriptures, immersing yourself in God's word, just as these two are immersed. 
and to have your hearts and minds open and your eyes open to Christ. And so they got up that same hour, and what did they do? They went right to Jerusalem. The same hour that this all happened and Jesus vanished, they got up and they went back to Jerusalem, back to do the work of the church, back to spread the good news. And they found the 11, the 11 other apostles and those who were with them gathered together. And they said, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So how is Jesus known to you? Where do you encounter him? Where do you find yourself on what road today? Look to today's lesson and be fed by today's lesson and use it as, uh, as something to inspire you to remember that you're always with Christ no matter where you go, and use it to inspire you to spend time in the Holy Scriptures. And just ask God as you do that to open those Scriptures to you and to reveal himself to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.